This is the Alex Podcast with your hosts, Hebrew Usher and Deacon Manitazik. Welcome, have your pen and paper ready. Okay, shalom to all brothers and sisters uh, who are joining us all over the world. And shalom to Deacon Manitazak, who's also on the line with us today. We're back again. I believe this is uh, episode seven. Giving glory, honor, thanks to the Most High, Ahaya, for making another opportunity available to us. Deacon Manitazak, welcome back to another episode. Shalom, Deacon. All praises to the Most High. Shalom to the brothers and sisters out there. Okay, so I think uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, Deacon, the last time we were still continuing with the message uh, under the umbrella of holiness, however, looking specifically at one aspect, which was an aspect of covetousness. I do, I do still recall under that umbrella as well that there was one aspect which we needed to discuss, although I think uh, offline we just discussed now that maybe we, we will look at it the most high willing and permitting in the week to come. And uh, under this umbrella, we're going to talk about a message that comes across uh, almost often, talking about the prosperity message, which perpetuates the idea that if you do well and uh, you're holy before the Most High, then you should see it and it should be visible in material things, which obviously that would go against what we we spoke about over the um, the past couple of weeks related to holiness to say you need to separate from the worldly system and the love of the world and covetousness and many other scriptures that we quoted almost perhaps i think one would think this is a contradiction in scripture and i think obviously that's the the contradiction you would agree because we need to we we need to correct be that as as it may i think that's something that we said we can look at next week I, i would like to open up just one topic maybe just for this week and uh quickly decon um from my side looking at a holiness when it comes to relationships that there is a there's a holy way in terms of conducting relationships specifically maybe if i do outline it then i think this is something we can, we can share amongst one another but if i do outline it it's just looking at how the most high has prescribed a way in which relationships should should continue and should happen and maybe then we can look at a couple of scriptures there to say what is a is marriage according to the most high and what it, what marriage is supposed to fulfill and from there maybe then we can look at other unholy marriages in the way they've started and we can look at we can look at a couple of examples in in scripture i think there's there's a few that we can look at and in closing i'm i'm hoping that there is also one other part that we can we, we can close looking at which is in the book of acts uh talking about uh anania and Safira. So I think overall, Deacon, that's that's um, the outline that I would like to give, and you can have you can share your views and uh, your points. I don't think this is something which is any structured in any specific manner, uh, in, in the sense that it's it's cast in it cast in stone. But I think it's open for for both of us to just discuss and, and share our views on it. And uh, but I, I think the first scripture that I would like to read is in the book of Ephesians chapter five, uh, because from there, we we do get to learn quite a lot in terms of the structure, specifically when you're reading in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, the the very, the second last verse, there, it does mention that although this is talking about marriage, but it's a mystery, which refers to Christ and the church, being Christ as as the, the, the groom 
and the church as the bride. And I think that parable we see also in the book of Matthew chapter 25, although that's not the key focus today. Today, I just think if we can read from verse number 22 to verse number 27, then there's something that we, we ought to receive, so uh, we, we can receive there. Uh, can, I ask, uh, can I ask that you read from your side, Jacob? Okay, Ephesians 5, verse 22 to 27. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the way. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Obviously, I think from a, let's say, um a practical or a cohabiting aspect of it there can be many opinions in terms of yes how should you live inside a house and so forth those are not the aspects which i would like to go to here but the the umbrella message which i'm i'm going towards is that when we come to marriage there is a clear definition in terms of roles when it comes to husbands and and uh, and wives and I don't think I don't think that this is something that would be necessarily be acceptable according to the world standards today, because the way things are, you know, when you talk about submission and you talk about one ruling over another, then um, feminists just just lose it. And uh, I, I think they uh, as what do they call them? Um, the social justice warriors, then they, I think they would come for us, Deacon, if we had any reputation. I think they would be, would be under the cancel culture, but clearly the scripture still does explain, and we still believe it that the husband is the head, the husband leads, the husband has a calling when it comes to a marriage. So is so uh, does the wife. The wife also has a calling in terms of submission, in terms of being led. But the husband really must lead, must guide, must teach, must nature. It is his responsibility to be able to do this. And why I think this is important to distinguish. If you do lose certain aspects in terms of the holiness when it comes to the building and a marriage in a, in a proper foundation, the functioning of the marriage is also going to be evident. And I think that's why maybe I'm looking at this in this aspect. And I, I think why I want us to close off with looking at Anni and Safira, that once you lose certain things, whether it's the husband that loses certain uh, abilities or doesn't have certain abilities and doesn't possess them, leading him not to lead the wife and guide her in the proper direction, obviously then that's going to lead to the, the wife not following the husband in the right in the right path. But eventually what's also going to happen is that the function, the, the marriage is not going to function according to the scriptures. And if you look at holiness now, talking about marriage, here we can distinguish roles. That's, those are the two things that I'm trying to come to here. We can distinguish roles. Yes, the, the husband there in verse number 25 loves the wife and as Christ also loved the church, as it says. Now the purpose is to sanctify, to cleanse, to wash with the word uh, continually. That he might present 
it to himself. Now, talking about the church, but even also when it comes to our wives, we want them to receive the glory of the kingdom together with us in the kingdom. So Hebrew women, we also have a concern for them so that they do also enter into the kingdom. And hence, we spend so much time teaching ourselves, being like Christ, learning from Christ, then taking the same examples and then passing on, uh, passing it on uh, to our wives. And the book of First Thessalonians also mentions something similar to this. I think it's the book of First Thessalonians chapter four, um, in verse number. Uh, can we can we read maybe just in in that passage, uh, verse number three, uh, verse number four. Um, maybe we can conclude in verse number five. First Thessalonians 4, verse number 4 to 5. For this is the will of the Most High, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Verse 5, not in the last of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not the Most High. So what I'm I'm going back to here when we're talking about um well, let me if I read from verse number three it says for this is the will of the Most High even your sanctification I think this is the way that we're familiar with we've read it now part of your sanctification is that you abstain from fornication which is a relationship by the way uh, fornication but it's a relationship which is unscriptural it's a relationship which is unacceptable to the Most High. In Leviticus chapter 18, we touched on it previously. It's also a relationship. It's unscriptural. It's not founded upon the principles that the Most High has taught, taught us or the oracles of the Most High. Right now, that's why verse number four then becomes important when it teaches us how to possess our vessels in sanctification and in honor. So even our marriages, ourselves first, and also our wives, then we need to have a way to sanctify them, to separate them. They become holy. We make our wives holy. We become holy. We become a sanctified vessel. Our wives become sanctified sanctified vessels unto us, making Ephesians chapter 5 all the more important. Now, Deacon, all I'm saying with this message here is the importance of this foundation when it comes to a family structure is quite important. Even continuing going forward, um, if if a husband is to, is to teach um, beyond his wife to his children, if this order is not correct and if this sanctification is not correct, if you have a husband who is separated from the world from the world system and from the love of the world, yet his wife is still in the world, she still likes the things of the world, then obviously that's going to be dysfunctional. You can't have a husband who doesn't covet the world system, and then you have a wife who still converts the world system, who wants to be in the world system. Uh, she likes the, the the nails, she likes the hairstyles, she likes all all the the, the glamour of the world system. Uh, she wants to be taken on uh, uh, on vacation all over the world. Still enjoys showing off her body on the beach. All of those things, you know, the part of which are part of the world system, by the way. And yet the husband wants to be sanctified. That's going to be dysfunctional marriage. So he sanctifies himself, he sanctifies uh, his, his wife. Together they, they raise their children in a sanctified manner. I'm not sure, Deacon, maybe you probably have something to add there. But essentially, I think what I'm asking uh, is that we, we build a, we build the message around that, maybe just for the next half an hour that we have, to, to 40 minutes that we have, just talking about the importance of building a proper family structure of sanctification from the husband all the way to the wife, starting marriages in a holy manner, 
continuing marriages in a holy manner all the way to having children. Yes, uh, Dukon, I think uh, what you're saying is very important, especially if we have to look at marriage, we have to look at it in the lenses of the Most High, as um, Christ is the husband to the church. Uh, you mentioned that uh, the second verse of Ephesians chapter 5 uh, speaks about this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church, uh, meaning the marriage that we have um, in the flesh between the man and the woman is a symbol or a, a type of a marriage between Christ and the church. So in order to understand the marriage between the man and the roles between the man and the woman, we need to understand Christ and the church. So Christ is the leader, is the head of the church, which are men. When you speak about the church, we speak about the congregation, we speak about a nation. A nation are men. So it's comprises of men. There's no nation without men. So those men, as as far as they submit to Christ, so it is expected that the women or the wives under them must likewise submit to these men. Now, that completes now the whole system of marriage. So I think the what is mostly important is that if we set our eyes on how Christ um, handles the church or how he treats the church, how he sanctifies the church, mostly important, this verse that you're quoting now uh, on First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 3, speaking about sanctification, that a man must sanctify himself unto Christ. So remember, when he started the message of holiness, we quoted John chapter 17, 17, when Christ uh, was speaking, um, praying to the Mosai, saying, sanctify them through thy truth, and thy way is truth, speaking to the, with regards to men, they were speaking with regards to the church. Now, the very same church that is sanctified has a responsibility to sanctify the wives. And the wives have got a responsibility to submit to that sanctification in order to complete this whole system of marriage. That is only I wanted to add for now, uh, just to emphasize um, what you are saying now. Yeah, and I think the dysfunction that exists, and I mean, obviously, this is anecdotal. It's what I've observed. You know, most of the time, we have, we've got one system where you've got a husband working uprightly and and it's a challenge for women to follow after that example. And sometimes it also happens that it's the other way around. The men are in the world system and they have a responsibility as we just discussed now. They're in the world system and, and the wife now wants to believe and follow the message of the truth. However, she doesn't have someone to lead and which is a dysfunction that exists in our nation as, as part of the cases. And we obviously have to discuss around those things, although I don't think it's a topic for for today. All I'm saying is I think our, our nation as Hebrews, we need to be aware of those things, not just to accept it. I think the, the danger that exists for us is sometimes we accept things that they happen. You find yourself as a man, you've, you married a wife and you were not in the truth. It happened like that. And because you married a wife and you were not in the truth, but now you've received the truth and you've repented and you want to walk a righteous life. And what happens is you continue your relationship with your wife and you treat it outside of what you believe, which is incorrect, because now you also need to bring your wife in. 
because your marriage is part of you. So if you live a holy life and you, you're a holy in all men of conversations, include that part of saying, well, my wife also has to follow after me. And it's not something that happens easily because, you know, you have to get someone who was used to a different lifestyle to change as well. And they must receive the message with their heart. However, I think it is important that we, we, we make that clear. It, it, why, why also it becomes disturbing? And I think this is something that I saw. I usually don't comment on social media posts because I, I think it, they, they escalate unnecessarily so. But I have seen people who, brothers who are preaching and they, they teaching others the truth, saying, okay, awaken Israel. This is who you are. And you need to come back to, to the laws of the Most High. And immediately after that, then you see them with their wives and their wives are not dressed modestly and their wives are not working. Um, well, I think the, the specific one that I saw, they were going to some sort of a, a music festival and and uh, I think a boxing match of some sort. You know, so immediately when I see that, it's it's as though, you know, as a man, you're standing at, when you by yourself, you're standing and you're saying, let's raise the nation. And then you teach other men. Then you with your you go back home and then you are with your partner and then it's like all of that is lost. So it's against the whole principle which we've been discussing. Be holy in all men of conversation. So I do think we need to go back there. And one scripture that I do have, uh, and I'm just gonna read it quickly on my side. It's, it's just coming to me as we're talking about us following after Christ and uh, our wives also following after us. Is the book of uh, Psalms chapter 25. It's a plea uh, from from David to the Most High that the Most High teach him, uh, teaches him the way of righteousness. And I, I just want to look at verse number four and, and, and verse number five specifically, but quickly. It says in verse number four, Psalms 25, show me thy ways, O Ahia, teach me thy paths. Verse five says, lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the Most High of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day long. And this is what I'm looking, I'm looking at this. It's about following in the right ways. Teach me thy paths, O Ahia. So show me, give me the right path so that I can follow after. Now, if we go into a covenant with the Most High, we also have to then desire to be to, to be taught. And then we say, and then he says, lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the Most High of my salvation. So you give me salvation through thy precepts, through thy teachings. And now through those then I am saved from the world system, from the covetousness of the world system. All of that. We key to that, I think, Deacon, it's part of the importance of why, even in a family structure, we need to talk about the message of covetousness. Not that I'm saying we don't. I don't know whether we actually do. Uh, I know a few families uh, amongst us that do, but I'm not sure whether that's a message that we really teach. Uh, we can teach about why black people, why we say specific black people are Hebrews, but that's not that's not all. In in our family structures, we also need to talk about that. And I think maybe that's what I, I'm trying to get at, Deacon. There's something important that you mentioned um, about teaching and saying the nation of Israel must must be raised, and then not leading by uh, by actions or following up by actions. I think you mentioned that women, maybe the wives uh, there, is not taught how to wear a dress code of modesty, which is it's a, it's a dress code that symbolizes something. So a woman must appear in a certain way, according to the scriptures. That symbolizes submission because her body does not belong to her. She submits completely 
to her husband. The same way as the men submit to Christ. I'm not sure if we read the verse, uh, Deacon, before. I think we did, if I'm not mistaken, on the earlier parts about uh, knowing not that you are the temple of the Most High, speaking to the church, and you are not your own. Therefore, glorify the Most High in your body, in your soul, and in your spirit. So it's the same thing also with the wife. The wife must glorify or must submit to her husband in the body, soul, and spirit. The body must symbolize what is within the spirit. So that is part of modesty. A woman must not dress anyhow to provoke lust to other men. So the woman must only expose herself to her husband because her body belongs to her husband. So it, it doesn't matter to say, because I've heard a lot um, of women saying, I'm dressing like this uh, in modesty for myself. And that is to please myself. But I've never seen a woman who just dresses indoors and uh, just to please herself, for her to see herself. She wants to be seen. She wants to go outside. She wants to be seen. She wants to comment. She wants to say, oh, you've got a nice dress. Oh, you look beautiful. You look sexy. All of those things are unworthy of a woman or a Hebrew woman who submits or a woman who's under a man according to the system of the marriage that the Mosai is teaching. So a woman must appear according to holiness, including um, her dress code. Uh, the, the, uh, let me just read it. I'm not sure if you're planning to go there. I heard you mentioning a chapter in First Corinthians chapter 11. So I'm not sure if I'm going to ruin um, what you planned there. Maybe no, you, can, you, you can go ahead. I think, as I said, it's not a specific structured, uh, specifically structured message. I think it's just, uh, I think this is just us sharing and uh, you, you're more than welcome. And I, I can confirm, I think in in, in part uh, two or part three, uh, you, you did read the, the, the passage you were referring to in the in the book of 1 Corinthians 6. And uh, we, we did look at that when we're talking about the conversion in the mind uh, as well to say, you know, we need to be converted, not to be conformed in the world. So our bodies are not your own. Indeed, we did we did uh, read those passages. But you are more than welcome to go to the book of First Corinthians 11, Deacon. Yes, just First Corinthians 11 is a part where I want to read, bearing that scripture in mind that you are quoting now, Deacon, about First Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19 to 20. Know you not that your body is a temple of the Most High. First uh, Corinthians 11, I would like to read there in verse number 3. Uh, verse number three until verse number, uh, I will continue until verse number, um, I think verse number six. Then verse number three says, um, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is the most high. Verse number four. So verse number three is important. This is the order. This is the order. In order for you to understand marriage, you have to understand this verse. If you want to understand marriage in the islands of the Mosai, you have to go through this verse and understand it. Uh, verse number four, uh, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman that prays or prophesies, having her head uncovered, dishonors her head. For that is all one as if she were shaven. So I wanted to, 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 to explain this. Verse number five It's very important. So a woman must be covered because of her head. So she must, she must cover her head because of 
she is under a man because of the order in verse number three. That is why she must be covered. Uh, but if the, if the woman is uncovered, then it is a shame even unto her because that is all one as if she were shaven. So that is a shame. So this explains now that women must appear, there's an order even in the New Testament. This is not just in the Old Testament. It continues through. This is the New Testament scripture. It, it explains now the dress code. Um, and then one more verse that I wanted to, to read, verse number 11. And it says, Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. Verse 12, For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things are of the Most High. So now this explains uh, the order that the, the woman is of the man. Meaning from the beginning, when Eve was created, she was created for the man to be the helpmeet for the man. And in order to symbolize that, she must be covered. It's a meaningful addition, Deacon, especially if we consider, I'm just going to deviate a little bit um, when we're talking about women. Women are being used now and they're operating to actually bring down men. And I, I think that's why uh, when it comes to marriage, it also becomes key to understand that the, the right foundation is important, else you might find yourself in the world. And I, I want to take one passage in the book of uh, First Ezra. So I think we're familiar with it. Well, it's not one passage, but I'm going to read it very high level. And if, if uh, we read here in the book of First Ezra chapter 3, again, I will employ everyone who's listening, if you need to pause, pause here, and you can read from read from the first um, from the first verse. You can even start from the beginning of the book and read the whole book um, and go down. But specifically here, we're gonna read in chapters three and chapters four. We're gonna read few passages in chapter in chapter three. Uh, I'm gonna start in verse number four. Now here it reads as follows: Three young men, then three young men that were of the guard that kept the king's body, spake one to another. Verse 5, let every one of us speak a sentence. He that shall overcome and whose sentence shall seem wiser than others, unto him shall the king that has give great gifts and great things of token of victory. Now, these continue speaking. These are three sentences. The first one says uh, in, in verse 10, the first root, wine is the strongest. So they're asking which, what is the strongest, which is the most powerful. The second one says the king is strongest. The third one says, women are strongest, but above all things, truth beareth away the victory. Now, why I'm coming here is there's an aspect. Yes, we know, and I think we've seen it. Alcohol, when it comes to alcohol, money, and women, it's almost that many, many men are trapped. And we lose many souls, Hebrew souls, even those who have known the truth, who have heard the truth, and who were in the truth. When it comes to one of these elements, they, they fall away. And sometimes it's an element of of not knowing the type of woman you need to you need to marry, and you end up marrying the wrong woman. And your marriage is not founded on the principles which we were talking about, where you lead, you guide, you nurture, you teach your wife to be holy as you are holy. Instead, then you are taken in the way of women. And that's what I maybe I just want to read. Deacon, if we go to uh, chapter four of the same book, which is I'm only gonna read. Uh, of of the last man who said women are strongest, right? And in verse 13, it says, Then the third, who had spoken of women and of truth, this was Zorobabel, and he began to speak. 
Verse 14, O ye men, it is not the king, nor the multitude of men, neither is it wine that excelleth. Who is it then that ruleth them, or hath lordship over them? Are they not women? So he's saying now, over kings is it not women that bear rule. And that's what we see. So kings are powerful, but then, you see, even kings can be brought low. And that's where we've got other examples. We can we can talk about three kings in Israel, David, we can talk about King Solomon, we can talk about Ahab. All of them, there's an element of women that brought them low. Now we continue in verse number 15. Women have borne the king and all the people that bear rule by sea and land. Verse 16. Even of them, uh, even of them came they, and they nourished them up and planted vineyards from whence wine cometh. Verse 17. These also make garments for men. These bring glory unto men, and without uh, without women um, cannot men be. Now, obviously, this is a part of nature, but still it continues. Yeah, and if men have gathered together gold and silver or any goodly thing, do they not love a woman which is comely in favor and beauty? Now, so this is now, husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. But there's also another love of women and why we need to talk about holiness in marriage. You can love your wives in a wrong way. You can love your wife that you're willing to lay down your life for your wife. You can lose everything for your wife. Now, women start to possess you, which now this becomes unholy. When a man, even brothers, they're not willing to lose their their wives for the sake of the kingdom. Even though it says now in the book of Matthew chapter 19, verse number 28 to 30, we can see that even if you lose your wife, if your wife doesn't walk in righteousness, you can lose your wife. If she wants to lead you into the way of the world, you can lose your wife for the sake of righteousness. However, you can also, you should, you must teach your wife the way of holiness. Continuing in verse number 19, it says, And letting all those things go, do they not give and open with, uh, uh, and even open with, and with open mouth, fix their eyes fast on her, on a woman? And why now, Deacon, it's more important what you just mentioned about modesty and dressing in a modest manner, so that women, especially our women, will need to be taught in the truth. They should not be a cause of lasciviousness to draw men low and to also cause men to fall. Right? Mm-hmm. It's your body, but don't cause men to fall. It's you, it's your body as in you are in your soul is in that body. But it's not your body to do as you please. It's your body to subject unto the law. And you need to follow a man who is subject unto the law. And then you subject your body unto the law. It continues. And have not all men desire unto her than unto silver or gold or goodly things. Still, when it comes to women, why I think this element is very important is that men can end up in the world because of women. You marry the wrong woman, and you don't marry a woman having looked at and considered that um, she, she's going to follow after you. You might find yourself back in the world system. If she loves the world, if she loves gold, you, you can give, you can fight for gold and give it unto her. I mean, look at verse number... Uh, look at, let's look at verse number 22 and 23. It says, By this also you must know that women have dominion over you. Do ye not labor and toil and give and bring all to the woman? Verse 23, Yea, a man taketh, taketh his sword and goeth his way to rob and steal and sail upon the seas, meaning risk your lives and upon rivers. And verse 24, And looketh upon a lion and goeth in the darkness, and when he hath stolen, spoiled, and robbed, he bringeth it to his love. Now, this is the wrong love. Obviously, once you start, if a man is taught in the truth and this is how he lives, then it means he has been brought low. And why I think this aspect, it's not a woman even from the outside. She can entice you. But after having enticed you, 
then she takes you out of the truth and she takes you into the world system. That's what makes it all the more important to talk about holiness when it comes to our marriage. Sanctification. It's not all women that we need to be looking at. It's not all women that we need to marry. There's an important there's an importance in terms of sanctification and dividing which women belong in the world. Which women, even when you look at these women, those are women which are going to take you back. It's a part of a Kavasha system that's going to lead you back into the world system. Maybe I can add one more thing since um, on this part of modesty uh, to say um, the, the woman it's important in the manner in which she appears in the public eye because the, the scripture differentiates between the, the wife a dignified wife um, and, and and the woman uh, that is a that is loose or a harlot and the, speak, the scripture speaks about the harlot uh, as you were reading here the proverbs came to my mind uh, as you were reading this passage in first Ezra chapter 4 proverbs chapter 7 verse number 4 Proverbs chapter 7, verse number 4, Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. So this is speaking to the church or the man, that he must have wisdom. So wisdom and understanding, it's part of holiness. This is the package of holiness. You can't differentiate it from, from holiness. Verse number 5, That they may keep thee from a strange woman, from the stranger which flatters with her wits. So now, this is now wisdom will keep you from an evil woman. There are evil women out there. You mentioned Dikon earlier about feminists, that um, maybe they don't like this message. Uh, most women, they are possessed with the spirit of feminism. No, feminism won't accept that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man. They don't like that. They don't want to hear anything of that message so the scripture explains to say those are strange women so we which we must be protected from strange women so the scripture the weight the wisdom the understanding will be able to protect us from strange women okay let me just jump on the very same i'll make you an example of a strange woman that she does appear even in the manner in which she wears her clothing her dress coat you can see a strange woman by a dress coat Okay, I'll read verse number nine. In the twilight, in the evening, and in the in the black and dark night. Verse 10. And behold, they met him. So this there's a man, a young man. They met him, a woman with the attire of an hallowed, subtil of heart. She is she is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without now in the streets and light in wait at every corner. So this is a strange woman. Take note in verse number in verse number 10. Says she's wearing the attire of a harlot. An attire of a harlot, like a prostitute. A prostitute would not go out to lure men or her clients with modesty. That doesn't happen. She wears certain clothing that will provoke lust. That is that is what you call a sin of lasciviousness. So women must be protected, the Hebrew women, they must be protected from this spirit. So it's important, the modesty is very important because the modesty shows submission. It shows submission that you are only under 
your husband, you're not under other men. So you can't expose your body to under men. I'll read verse number 24. Here can unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Verse 25. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her pets like this king or like this man that you were reading about in First Elders chapter 4 that sacrifices his life, obtains gold, putting his life in danger and silver in the process only to hand over all those riches to a woman. She, he is doing all of that for a woman. So that, that now it becomes not the love that, you, that now we are speaking about. You don't show love by handing things over to women or giving women money and, and so on. And that's the worldly love. That's how the world will define love, to say you need to give women something. That is not what we teach. That's not what the scripture teach. So I think we are going to go into detail a bit to say, how does men love women? By teaching her, I think Tikkun, you did mention, even by quoting Psalm chapter 25, like, uh, teach me thy ways, lead me into thy path. With, by teaching and sanctifying women, that is how we love. And uh, by that, we don't hand our, our, our life or submit to women. That's, that's not what we, we are the head. We teach. Okay, in verse number 26, uh, let me just continue. For she had cast down many wounded, even through, even through the, the attire that she's wearing, men are wounded. Many men are wounded by women that are wearing the attire of the halot. That is not the wife material, not according to the scripture. It's not the holy marriage. If you have a wife that wears the attire of the halot, that is not what the Most High is teaching. That is not what the scripture is teaching. Because in, in that way, many men are falling because of that woman. Okay, let me just continue in close of um, this part. Yeah, many strong men have been slain by her. She does not use strength. I think we didn't get to that part as you were reading. She does not use her physical strength to slay men. A woman has got power by her looks and by her flattering ways to entice men. Mm. She can even get lunch just by talking. She, she can even go to a tavern not having money and comes back drunk. She knows how to, she knows the way around it. She uses her looks, she uses her appearance to lure men and to deceive men. Um, okay. Very true. Verse number 27. Her house is in the way of hell, going down to the chambers of death. So all those men that are going through the house, uh, they're going through, uh, the, the, it's death. It's, part, it's death to them. It's part of condemnation, meaning this woman is a supping authority. He's, she is ruling over these men. Yeah, I think Jacob, you summed up quite a quite a few points uh, very beautifully, and um, this passage here, specifically what we just read now, I think it's we, we, verse number twenty-five when in the book of Proverbs seven it says, "Let not thine heart decline to her ways, go not astray in her paths." And I think that's really it, it. It encapsulates many of the aspects that we're talking about because you can lose your spiritual life, you can lose your soul because of a woman. Yes. It might not be direct that you go into the world. It might not be that you're sitting and then you're tempted by something in the world. But then a woman comes and then she opens up that, that doorway for you to be led down to the paths of hell. And I, I quoted, obviously, three kings, but I think two, two um, or specifically two kings uh, who, who didn't end up in the love of the Most High, which is King Solomon and King Ahab. 
Um, but if we just look at King Solomon, the specific words which the prophet uh, Nehemiah speaks of in the book of Nehemiah chapter 13, maybe I'll just, I'll, I'll read there. I'm also um, conscious of time limitations. And, um, but I think we, most of the message that we did discuss here, Deacon, is it's around that. It, we, the importance of uh, holiness when it comes to our, our relationships and uh, our marriages. We need to understand what it's founded on, what's the purpose of those relationships, and where we want to go. That way, you also are easily able to identify as a man when your relationship is not going in the way of righteousness and it's not going in the way of holiness. Then you'll be able to realize what you need to correct. And I know that sometimes our sisters also recognize that as love. You mentioned uh, that, you know, as we read, that it's not love what we see in the book of Ezra, but to others it is. You know, they expect such. But I think we need sisters to also read and understand that a man makes sacrifices for you, for him to be able to guide you and to teach him. It's not that whatever a man teaches a woman, it came out of nowhere. He also needed to learn it, to apply it, to live it, so that he can understand it and see it in his life. Then he can take it, take that lesson and whatever he learned, translate it for your life, guide you and show you and teach you. And where you don't understand, then he works with you to say, what is it that needs to be corrected? It's almost like a teacher who spends so many years getting the qualifications. Yes, the lesson may look like it's 45 minutes long, but for it to be 45 minutes long, there had to be a lot of work that went into it. And that 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 goes for men. We, we go through a lot of learning, but all of that learning, mm. it is done out of love. It's not a case of it comes to us, but it's done out of love. And that's why we pass on the knowledge that we've gained over so many years to them because you love your wife and you want to make sure that your wife ends up as you receiving the glory of the kingdom. All right. So I think although I, I, I'm just going to read maybe one passage here looking at King Solomon in verse 26. And there's many th there's many things that have been said about uh, have been written about Solomon. When we read in verse 26, I think this passage, it's talking about Nehemiah seeing the children of Israel not able, or the children of our fathers not able to speak uh, the Hebrew language, and, and that displeased him. And in verse number 26, now he says, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, as seen by these things, taking strange women? He says, Yet among many nations was there no king like him, who was beloved of his power, the Most High. And the Most High made him king over all Yesharala. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. They took him, they, they showed him the outlandish world. They showed him the strange land. Now, outlandish and strange women, as we read them, it doesn't even have to be adulterous. It could be a virgin, but it's an outlandish virgin that shows you the world system. And she opens, mm -hmm. she, she becomes a doorway and a pathway for you to go into destruction and to hell. She opens up the way for you to go back into the world system because she loves the world system. Her heart is coveting the world system and her consciousness mm. takes you there. Do you want to make a comment there, Deacon? Not for now, Deacon. I think uh, we can continue. You can continue for what? All right. I think I'm just going to read the last one because, as I said, I'm cognizant of time, uh, which is maybe just slightly, slightly longer in the book of Acts chapter 5. And I'm just, I'm just going to read it and go all the way down. And I'm summing up everything. The importance of having a holy marriage, both the men sanctified and the women sanctified. And I'll read from the first verse there, as I said, all the way down to verse number 11. It reads as follows, Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Anania, 
and uh, with Safira, his wife, sold a possession, verse number two, and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Three. But Peter said, Anania, why had Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land? Verse 4. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto the Most High. Verse number 5. And Anania, hearing uh, these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon all them that had these things. Verse number 6. And the young men arose, wound him up and carried him out and buried him, verse number seven. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in, verse eight. And Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yeah, for so much, verse nine. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord, agreed together with your husband to stay, to tempt the spirit of the Lord Behold, the fear of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Verse 10. Then she fell down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her by, the, uh, by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. Now, just summing this up, uh, Deacon. Obviously, Anania himself was not well taught. I mean, he, he loved the world system. And, and what's evident is the fact that that's what he taught his wife. And that's the danger which I was speaking about when our marriages are not sanctified, when the mystery is not being fulfilled in our relationships or in our marriages, the mystery of the church. Christ loved the church and he cleansed it. He washed it with the washing of the water that he might, be, he, he, he might purify. He cleansed it. It made it blameless, spotless, without blemish. It was white as snow. That was the, the that was the work that he performed. But he also sacrificed. He became. He was first pure before the Most High, without sin, tempted yet without sin, gone through, reviled. There were many things spoken against him. Yet he was faithful. And the same lesson he passed on to us. Here we see the opposite. The lesson of Ananias loving the world system teaching the same to Israel, agreeing together with his wife, an unholy marriage where two people, are, they agree to tempt the Lord, but now they tempt the Lord because of their hearts, which have already departed from the Lord and are in the world system. So I think that makes it all the more important why we need to talk about holiness in relationships, because here we see holiness in relationships that took their hearts into the world. They never had a chance to repent even to the Most High, or to come back, or immediately the most I cut them off because of the wickedness of their hearts. This is a, a very important passage to, to to learn a lot from in terms of the judgments of the Most High and uh, in how men are supposed to carry themselves. Because one thing um, for sure, a woman was not created to be leaderless and not to have a leader or a head. Because once you have a woman in, that's going to believe without a man, that's going to be difficult. Remember the prophecy in Genesis chapter 3, um, where it says a woman, her desire shall be to her husband. He shall rule over her. That is part of the law. That became part of the law, that a woman must be under a man. So if a man does not lead or is not under Christ, he does not lead under Christ, then we've got a problem. 
This is exactly what is going to happen. Because a man is not going to be able to teach a woman the right things. He is going to agree as the head to wrong things because she's not able to, he's not able to guide his wife. And as a result now, um, a woman becomes powerless. Most of the times, if a man is not strong uh, over his wife, like now the, the same thing is going to happen, like it happened to Solomon, uh, and then it happened to Ahab, like we had Jezebel. But the Mosai was more angry with the man because the man is supposed to lead. As you see here, an example with uh, Ananiah and Sapphira. Uh, Ananiah being the leader as the man of the, 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 the marriage, and then he's not walking according to the right path. He's not submitting to Christ. He's not showing or submitting under the love of Christ. And then he's going to teach the very same thing to the woman. So that's what normally happens um, if a, a man is not right. A man, a head, must be, must be right. If the head is not submitting to Christ, then we've got a problem. This is what you will see. Both are going to die. Meaning if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the ditch. That's what Dikon wanted to add on this part. Thanks, Dikon, for, for that addition. From my side, I, I can leave it here. My parting shot just to all the brothers out there. I'll quote one verse in the book of Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 10, which says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Uh, and if you read it in, together with the book of Deuteronomy chapter uh, 13, from verse number 6, that if someone, whether it be your wife, who lures you, don't consent. If they want to draw you away from the Most High, you need to guard yourself. Even the more so in marriage where you've got a blood covenant with someone that you're with, you need to make sure that you're strong and you don't draw back. So, Dikon, that would be it from my side. Any closing remarks from you? None, uh, Dikon. I think um, uh, that's it for today. We'll continue the most high permitting next week. All right, perfect. Shalom. Shalom.